Welcome to the latest episode of To Boldly Pod, the unscripted podcast about anything and everything. And at some point, I'm okay, I'm probably not, but you all know the shtick by now. This week's episode is going to either enthrall a small portion of people or. In the last couple episodes, I've actually built a little bit more of an audience talking about the latest UAP revelations that have come out. So hopefully those people that have started to tune into this podcast will stick around for this one. So because it might drive them away. But as I state in the opening statement, this podcast is about anything and everything and it tends to float all over the place and next week's episode will be something a little more along the paranormal lines that people seem to enjoy and then in two weeks it's going to be totally off the rails about absolutely nothing to do with the paranormal when i talk about sports but this week Again, it's not quite as much off the rails, but it's a little bit off the rails as far as the paranormal and UFOs or UAPs go and all of that. And I want to take a dive into some another one of my loves that most of you that know me personally know that I'm really very passionate about, and that is the Star Trek universe. And what I want to talk about on this episode is this past week, the conclusion to Season 2 of Star Trek Strange New Worlds came to an end, or came to a culmination, if you will. And I want to talk a little bit about Season 2 of Strange New Worlds. Now, a little over a year or so ago, last July, I came on these podcast airwaves and talked about Season 1 of Strange New World, so I'm not going to waste a lot of time talking about Season 1, because I have already talked about it, you can go back and listen to it if you so choose to, but... I will sort of sum it up ever so briefly by saying I really, really loved Season 1 because it kind of got back into what I feel, in my personal opinion, what I think is a strong point of the Star Trek universe over, say, other sci-fi franchises like, say, Star Wars, and that's kind of it's got a a huge enveloping storyline and canon to it that builds within each and every episode but they're predominantly very independently based as far as each episodes go they don't have a lot of story arcs if you will and that kind of a a Star Trek the original series thing is they didn't really have a whole ton if any story arcs in the original series and then once the next generation came along 
they kind of held to that script, but they had a little bit of story arcs going for, say, a couple episodes, but they weren't like season-long story arcs. Now, when Deep Space Nine came along is when they really started invoking the, the story arc for an entire season. And it kind of continued a little bit, not quite as much, but with Voyager. And then they really expanded on it with Enterprise. And once the reboots, the J.J. Abrams reboots, or the Kelvin Universe reboots, if you will, they kind of did that with those movies as well. And then when the new streaming shows started to to get released, like Discovery and stuff like that, they, they kind of continued with the whole season-long story arc. So when Strange New World started... It was refreshing to me that they seem to be really paying homage to the original Trek idea of having this huge Federation canon, if you will, but within it, not necessarily having the entire season expand on one ginormous theme. And they did that with Picard, too, but... That's I've talked about that as well on other podcasts. But in season one of Strange New Worlds, they, they kind of got back to the original series and, and predominantly the, the next generation with having stuff within canon or having small little story arcs, but they were only a couple episodes long. And when Strange New Worlds started, they got back to that they you know each episode was an individual episode in and of itself so that was something that i outside of loving it because it was star trek and it really kind of went back to the the foundation of what star trek was that was another reason that i really 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 loved the first season of strange new world so but they also did what's kind of a modern thing with with Hollywood and television as a whole, I suppose. It's not necessarily just here in the U.S. It also happens in England and everywhere else where they make TV shows. Australia and in Brazil and everywhere, I'm sure, does the same type of thing as they, they kind of have... The story, story, or the season-long arcs and cliffhangers and all of that stuff—that's nothing new. So they kind of did a little bit of that in season one. They did a little bit of a cliffhanger at the end of season one, which kind of keeps you or gets you excited, I suppose, for the following season. So we had that cliffhanger of number one getting arrested and going on trial at the end of season one. And that's kind of how season two kicked off. 
And I don't know if I want to sit here and go see or episode by episode and talk about every single episode. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. There are a couple that I'm going to single out and talk a little bit about specifically. But I think I want to make this more of a a review or a recap, if you will, on season number two. And I suppose I'm eight minutes into this already. <laughs> I should have said this at the very beginning, but if you've gotten this far and you haven't watched season two or you haven't finished season two, you might want to bookmark this and come back to it afterwards because there may be some minor spoilers in there when there wasn't really a ton of things that you might call spoilers in season two that would really upset people if they found out about them beforehand but just to be safe if you're one of those people that like to be surprised about stuff then earmark this and come back to it after you've completed season two and then you'll understand a lot about what i'm going to talk about and there were a couple of things that might be considered spoilers, and I will say the the season finale that just aired this past week, I saw an article online that I was going to read about a a, a nemesis coming back for the season finale, and I clicked on it, and I'm like, you know what? I think I probably know who it is because they've kind of built this up over the first season and a half, two seasons. So I kind of figure I know who it's going to be, but I didn't want to read it and then not be mildly surprised over who was going to make their return. But we'll get to that here in just a few minutes. Now, before we really dive into it i just want to say as a whole i really enjoyed season number two i didn't like it quite as much as i did season one but i wouldn't say there were any episodes that i walked away thinking yeah that was just plain garbage or there wasn't any time during season number two where I didn't feel like I was enjoying the series as much as I did in season number one. So as a whole, I really did like season number two. I just didn't feel like it was as good or as strong as season one was. Now, some of that may have something to do with... They were kind of a little bit in a rush of when they filmed it because they filmed it right in the uh, heart of the pandemic. So maybe there could have been a little bit of urgency involved in the production. I That I don't know. I'm not one of those people that goes in and reads all the the dirt sheets and all the, the underlying things. Because when I watch shows, I try not to go into it with too much of a preconceived notion or, or knowing too much about it. I, I, I like the, the idea of being 
shocked and surprised about things as they happen in the episode. So when you get those those previews and people tend to, to release the spoiler articles and stuff like that before episodes air and, you know, look what's coming up in this episode. And I, I stay away from reading stuff like that because I, I like to sit down and watch them and experience them as they unfold within the episode. But I know there are some people that really are are nerdy about learning everything about whatever it is that they tend to enjoy watching or being a fan of, whether it's the Marvel Universe or Star Wars or even Star Trek. They, they really dive deep into stuff and, and know everything about it before it even happens. I am not that type of a fan. I pray, like I said, I prefer to watch them and experience them as they unfold and as they happen on the program. And there are a few things that, and I've said this online quite a bit during the past 10 weeks as season two has played out, that there, I'm trying to set aside my old school hardcore canon issue with TV shows because you have to keep in mind any show like Star Trek or Doctor Who that's been around for 50 and 60 years that that there's going to be issues when it comes to canon because there's so much to to keep in line so much to 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 not step on as far as canon goes. So I really try to keep that in mind as I'm watching things and not, not get too upset. And people that know me know that my my true love is actually Star Trek. So that would be the one that I kind of take issue with some of the canon things. And I tried really hard in this season not to get upset about a few of the things that are starting to unfold a little bit and one of them is being James T. Kirk being on the Enterprise as much as he has been and initially in the original series canon it is stated by James Kirk or William Shatner in the episode The Menagerie that he only met Christopher Pike, the captain of the Enterprise in Strange New Worlds that he replaces for the original series. He states in the original series that he only met Captain Pike one time, and that was when Pike was handing the ship over to Kirk and being promoted to Fleet Admiral. So there's a little bit of an issue within the canon as far as that goes. And like I said, I'm trying not to get too worked up about him stepping on the canon as far as that goes. And one of the other things that I'm kind of taking a little bit of an issue with, which, again, I'm trying not to get too worked up about it, is 
Kirk and Spock really didn't know one another before the original series. So, or as far as we know, they didn't know one another. They acted like they didn't know one another from the inception of the original series. So, the interaction, which has been minor for the most part, within Strange New Worlds in Season 2. But there has been some interaction between the two that they have they have to explain at some point. And there's probably a way that they're going to end up explaining it all and making things right with the Star Trek universe. At least I hope there are. And... One of the other small little issues that I have is Lieutenant Singh, which we all know is the security officer on the Enterprise in Strange New Worlds, and she's a descendant of Khan Noonien Singh. And I have a little bit of an issue that Spock and Kirk both have when they they meet Khan in the episode Space Seed in the original series have no real idea who the hell he is. They've never really heard of him. They had to do a computer search to figure out who he was. And she on Strange New Worlds talks about knowing who Khan is. So there's a little bit of an issue there that I think they're probably going to end up fixing somehow, but at this point, my old school Trekor, if you will, Trekkie, is taking a little bit of an issue with that because it's kind of stepping on a little bit of the original series canon. But again, they have a lot of time to fix that. And one other thing before we get into some of the episodes that I want to kind of single out of from Season 2 that I want to talk about was one thing I've, I've mentioned online as this season has unfolded, and that is is the, the two main stars of Strange New Worlds is Rebecca Romaine and Anson Mount. Rebecca Romaine is, of course, number one, and Anson Mount plays Christopher Pike. And I kind of made a, a joke about I really hope they're not paying them full price or their full contract because there's a lot of episodes in season number two where neither one of them are in it very much at all. And for being the two quote-unquote main characters, especially Captain Pike or Anson Mount's character, there's a couple episodes where he's really only in it a couple of scenes or hardly at all. And Rebecca Romaine's role has really dwindled in my opinion, in season two, to where we don't really see her much at all other than the very first episode of season number two when she was on trial. So, is that a bad thing? 
in and of itself, no, because it's kind of expanding on the supporting characters more, and there's a lot of development within all of them in season number two, and maybe that was the plan all along in season three that's already been approved and going to be made. Maybe that will expand on the whole crew as a whole. But that in and of itself is just something I kind of said it, it in humor, in jest, if you will, that I really hope they didn't get paid their huge salary being the top two stars of the show because they're hardly in it for a lot of the time. And one of the other small little things that I didn't, I kind of took a little bit of an issue with in season two is season one they kind of started it off as talking about pike having this vision of what was going to happen to him in the episode the menagerie from the original series where as we all know he gets burned and paralyzed from saving a bunch of a cadets in a fire, and it all has to do with a little bit of flashback from the Talos 4 incident and setting up the whole episode, The Menagerie, which is actually a, a side shoot of the original pilot that was filmed for Star Trek, which you all know the story about that, so I'm not going to rehash it. But they mentioned it a few times or quite a bit in season number one, and they didn't mention it at all in season number two. So I'm kind of wondering if that's going to be something huge that they bring up in season three or season four, if there's a season four at all, because they've just kind of seemed to have shoved that to the side and completely forgotten about it here in season number two but again like i said maybe they're developing the the supporting characters more for season two and as season three rolls on is when they're really going to start developing all of that they're going to go back to the the whole menagerie slash saving the cadets yada 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 thing I don't know, I guess we'll have to wait to find out. But I was a little disappointed that he had all these these flashbacks or these these premonitions, I suppose is the best way to put it, in season one about the fire and what was going to happen to him. And then this entire season they didn't mention it one single time. So that kind of bugged me a little bit, but... As a whole, I suppose, if they were developing the the supporting characters more here in Season 2, I understand what they were doing. And the other small little issue that I had in this season, as far as canon goes, is Spock meeting his bride, quote-unquote bride, to Pring in season number two and they kind of made reference in a mock time in the original series that Spock and Tapring were a prearranged marriage with their parents when they were children and 
they inferred that they hadn't really seen them, seen each other since they were little children. But I suppose in a roundabout way, they never really officially said they hadn't seen each other since they were children. And this prearranged marriage happened. They just kind of inferred it. So that's kind of a, an out for this. But they did have a story or an episode about T'Pring coming on the Enterprise and T'Pring's uh, parents meeting Spock and his mother, Amanda Grayson. So, I don't have an issue, and I, I liked the episode, and I really enjoyed the portrayal of T'Pring's father. So, all in all, I really don't have an issue with that little slip of the canon, because like I said, it was it was just inferred, it wasn't ever officially shown or written or told that they hadn't seen each other since they were little children since this prearranged marriage had happened and i i really thought the episode was well done and they really do play up the the kind of sexual tension between spock and nurse chapel quite a bit in strange new worlds which is something that the purists which i guess i kind of consider myself a star trek purist but i'm really sort of a new world purist that i don't necessarily hold the original series as a bible even though probably the last 25 minutes you're sitting there thinking yeah you do yeah, I probably do a little bit, but not quite as much as the Trek ors, if you will, do. The the old school, the people that'll come on here and say I was watching Star Trek when it was originally on the air in the 60s. Well, you know what? I wasn't alive in the 60s. As a matter of fact, I was only alive, I think, for two episodes of the original series before it got canceled. And so, in that aspect, I'm not an original Trekker, but I do hold a lot of reverence, and that will always be my favorite series of all the Star Trek series is the original series. So, in that aspect, I do have the 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 original series reverence, I suppose, but... I also have the 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 new school that I I'm willing to allow a little bit of leeway and change when it comes to canon. But my whole point about this was is they never really mentioned Chapel being on the Enterprise before the original series before Kirk and Spock and McCoy and all of that, but that doesn't mean she wasn't just because they didn't mention her. Now, speaking of Chapel, there were a couple things that I did enjoy that they kind of set the legs in motion that would bring the original series kind of full circle a little bit. One has to do with her, and that was the point where they, they set up the sexual tension between her and Spock, and they kind of sort of had a relationship, but didn't have a relationship 
but they set in motion with her meeting Dr. Corby, which original series fans will know was her boyfriend or fiance at the time in an episode of the original series called What Are Little Girls Made Of? And I liked how they set that in motion, started to set the wheels in motion with that, with with Chapel getting in a relationship with Dr. Corby, and that's where that's going to kind of bring that whole thing into motion. So I really, really enjoyed that aspect of it. And one of the other things I really liked that they set in motion or or tried to, to set the full circle into motion was the idea of La'an Singh and Kirk having a relationship. She was kind of confused from their alternate universe, alternate timeline, going back in time episode that we had in season two that maybe they had a little bit of a budding romance going on. And even though that Kirk that she fell in love with was an alternate timeline James T. Kirk, she kind of carried those feelings to this universe's James Kirk. And he kind of put an end to that in an episode where he mentioned that he has a relationship with Dr. Carol Marcus. As a matter of fact, she was pregnant with his son, which we all know ended up being David Marcus in Star Trek two and Star Trek three, the movies. So, they kind of set that in motion as well, and I, I thought that was a really nice nod to the the Star Trek universe to keep those pieces of canon in motion. And maybe that's going to be a, a way that they sort of reconcile the whole con thing. I don't know how they're going to to do it, but I'm really looking forward to seeing how they play things out. Now... Spoiler alert, if you haven't watched the finale yet, then you might want to at least stop listening at this point with only a few minutes left to go. But they kind of left us with a little cliffhanger where they set in motion, kind of fixing a little bit of a canon issue that they've had with season one and season two and that's as far as the gorn go now as we know from the original series episode arena the federation is aware of the species the gorn but they didn't really have a lot of interaction with them because it seems to be side of a a tension-filled relationship i suppose and i think they're kind of setting up that right now with the gorn and that's how season two ended this past week is with a little cliffhanger with the enterprise and the gorn 
and it kind of left things hanging as to how it's going to happen. So we're not going to find out the the turnout of the whole incident until next season. So the Gorn return, if you haven't got the season 10 yet, then that's where season 2 comes to an end with a little cliffhanger with war hanging over the Federation and the Gorn. So we'll see what happens there. And the only other episode that I really want to talk about that that seemed to be the 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 big episode that people really talked about was the episode Subspace Rhapsody, which was kind of a almost a throwback a little bit of the premise of the original series and for the most part the next generation it was this kind of a standalone episode where they just had an issue they had to resolve and subspace rhapsody had to do with it kind of, well basically the the best way to put it was they turned the episode into a musical and they had this life form that they came in contact with that they had to cure everything or fix everything by singing. So kind of turned the episode into a Broadway play. And I went into it knowing that that's what it was going to be, but not sure how I was going to take it. And I actually thought they did a, a pretty wonderful job with it. And I, I asked a friend of mine who is a big fan of Broadway musicals and stuff like that to watch it, and she absolutely hated it. But I think for science fiction and Star Trek fans, it, it is a very fun little episode. And there was also an episode that was kind of a crossover with Lower Decks, the animated series that's currently being broadcast as well and i thought that i went into that kind of dubious as well because i've watched lower decks but i'm not the biggest fan of it i just don't think it holds the the star trek mantle the way that i i hold in my head so i've kind of lost a little bit of interest with lower decks so when i heard this crossover episode was going to happen i was dubious about it but i actually thought they did a, a really nice job with it. So all in all, I've enjoyed season number two. But as I said at the beginning, I didn't really like it as much as season number one because I don't I think it got a little bit away from the original series format that they did in season number one where they were going to planets and solving issues. And they got a little bit more into character development here in season two but maybe that's their their plan all along but i still enjoyed season two but i will say i didn't like it as much as season number one but aside of that i am still very geeked in hate that i have to wait an entire year for season number three if you have any thoughts about season two of star trek strange new worlds let me know on facebook or twitter 
at Too Boldly Pod, and I'm sure once season three starts or concludes, we will come back on this podcast and talk about it yet again. As usual, I don't have a closer for this podcast, so I will simply end it with a line. I will sum up what I thought of season two with a Spock line. Fascinating. 